1: That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your life sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.
0: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
4: Fox Radio.
7: Coming to you live. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. It's the Jason Martin Show. I'm J-Mart. I'm on Twitter at J-Mart Radio. You can find me there. You can find Geico at geico.com. And you should because 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Everybody trying to save money all the time, but especially in 2020. So go to geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. The crew tonight, Eric Roberts is off. We would say on assignment, but he's not on assignment. He is doing, this guy's priorities, right? Got something going on with his family. So we'll talk to him again next week. We got Bo Benson in. Along with Chris Perfett and Brian Fenley. Those two don't change. We got a lot to get to. The NFL is less than a week away. Thursday night, it'll open up with Houston and Kansas City. Two quarterbacks that have a lot of money now, we know both of them do. One had gotten paid a couple months back. The other one got paid on Saturday. We'll talk about that next hour, as well as a lot of other things happening in the NFL. We'll talk a little bit of college football. It's just good to see college football on television on Saturday, even though, you know, it's not the marquee teams just yet, but we get the ACC next week. We get the SEC and the Big 12 coming up very soon. The question is, Big Ten, will we? Pac-12, when will we? Their testing thing seems to be a bit of a game changer, to say the least, so we will discuss that. I also want to do a ranking of Christopher Nolan movies with Tenet coming out. I've now seen it twice, and I have thoughts that won't spoil it, but look, we do pop culture on this show. I've written about it for so long that I'm not going to go out of my wheelhouse, and I imagine a lot of you are interested to know if you haven't seen it yet, whether it's worth your time or not, so we will get there. But let's start with the association. Saturday, two games. We have a 2-2 series in the East as Toronto claws back and wins a couple of games. They were not the better team in Game 3, but they won. And then in Game 4, it's just kind of odd how it all played out. Kimball Walker said, look, I only took nine shots. That's unacceptable. It is unacceptable. He's going to need to do more than that. Your superstar's got to do more than that. And on a night where Jalen Brown just couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, 0 for 8 from 3 early on, you knew it was going to be a tough game for them to win when the Raptors were shooting 38% from 3 and had taken, I think the last time I looked, in the 40s and the game was still going on and they were shooting 38% and taking that many threes, that was probably going to put them in the lead. And they did have the lead, but it wasn't a game that was completely out of reach. It was a game that lost all sense of momentum. Even inside the bubble, it lost all of whatever momentum you could gain as a team because of the relentless stoppages and delays that took place in the fourth quarter in the last five or six minutes of action. That was a little disconcerting and annoying. And Stan Van Gundy even pointed it out on the broadcast. He was like, you know, you've got Siakam out there, Lowry out there, both playing over 40 minutes. They're loving this because they're actually getting a little bit of a rest during all these reviews and things like that. Well, they won the game. I told you last week, I thought this was going to be an awesome series. And indeed it has been. We're sitting 2-2. Easily, this one could go 7 The winner of this series has to think, hey, we have a real good shot, and they would have thought this anyway, but I mean, the Bucs are done, right? We'll discuss Giannis Antetokounmpo and just what's wrong in Milwaukee, and is he going to be in Milwaukee if things don't change in the long term? We'll get to that. But right now you're looking at the East and you're thinking, okay, well, the winner of Toronto and Boston should be in the driver's seat, although Miami looks awfully dangerous considering nobody can beat them right now. And they seem to be driven by the fact that nobody took them all that seriously. And that's not the way you want Jimmy Butler to feel because he already walks around as if he has a chip on his shoulder to begin with. But Toronto gets Boston. If that goes 7 we'll all enjoy those next three games just like we've enjoyed these last four when it was 2-0 you felt good if you were a Celtic fan but you also had to realize this was not going to be easy it wasn't like the Raptors were just going to roll over and die and they didn't the Western game game two of Clippers and Nuggets was unique because it was one of those games where It was so ridiculous to watch that first quarter that I said to myself, well, all right, I can move on with the rest of my evening. I know it's the NBA, so the lead wasn't going to hold. But I still thought, I mean, you're not going to spot this Nuggets team a 20-point lead and expect to come back. This is not going to be a 20-point finish, I don't think. But I'd be surprised if the Clippers actually came back and won this. They gave up 44 in the first quarter. That just doesn't happen. And that's a good defensive team in the Clippers. They just didn't show up for the first 12 minutes of that basketball game. In the last three quarters, they were arguably the better team. I mean, they got everything under control. But you can't show up and give up 44 to a good team in the NBA in the playoffs and expect, okay, we're coming all the way back. Because the Nuggets aren't the kind of team that are just going to see that and feel like, all right, we can coast and we can win this game. They got a couple of dogs on that team. And they played well, and they played well early, and then they were able to just kind of hold on, outlast the Clippers. I still think the Clippers are going to win the NBA championship. That's not changing. But this was a little bit annoying. This was just kind of one of those nights that can happen in a long NBA postseason, which here you're not getting all the days off that you're used to. Everything's sort of awkward and unique. It's hard to build momentum because there's no home crowd to be found. You could put a logo on the floor all you want, but it doesn't mean that Celtics are playing at home just because there was a shamrock on the floor in game four. So the Nuggets get the job done. They hold off a Clippers team that kind of woke up, especially in the second half. But you just put yourself in too big a hole. Like Maybe you come back from 19 or 20 down against an also-ran, against a tomato can, but you're not doing it against the Nuggets. They're not going to allow that. Kawhi Leonard after the game pretty much said the obvious. There's nothing particularly noteworthy about these comments. It's just, yeah, pretty much, here's Kawhi after the loss
8: dug ourselves in the hole. Um, They had 44 points in that first quarter. And, um, you know, we got to play better defense if we want to, you know, stay in the game. But after that, we did a pretty good
7: job. You don't have to play better defense, Kawhi. You have to play defense, Kawhi. And that's hard for me to say. And I know how good Kawhi is on defense. This was just a weird night. This was just a night where they didn't show up for 48 minutes. They showed up for 36, give or take. They meandered around, and it just seemed like pure lethargy out of the starting gate to that uh, of that basketball game. I heard right there, right before we took the air on straight out of Vegas, in that final segment, they were pretty clear. You know, it's not like anybody expected the Clippers were going to sweep the Denver Nuggets. I know Stephen A. Smith was on ESPN saying the Nuggets aren't going to give them much much trouble. I told you last week, the Nuggets and the Jazz are the NBA's biggest problem in a nutshell because they're two teams that are real good that you still don't really think are going to win a championship. But they are going to make it interesting. They're not going to go out there and get swept. I bet this is not a five-game series either. That's a good Nuggets basketball team. That was a good Nuggets basketball team last year, well coached by... Malone and with stars in Jamal Murray and certainly Nikola Jokic. Speaking of Jokic after the victory certainly a game that they wanted to win here is Nikola Jokic's comments after the 110-101 victory you we were
8: aggressive we were playing free and that kind of energy just lead us through a whole the game you know the, the defense 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 was really high level. their main offensive players we' seeing target uh, we we're seeing people in front of them and um, just we, we just kind of make it look at the crowded for them. I think that helped us a lot.
7: It was 19 points at the end of one and that was pretty much a wrap. The Clippers cut it to five you know in the fourth quarter. But you had Kawhi Leonard and Paul George shoot a collective 11 for 36 from the field. Even with the depth and the talent and the tenacity, usually, that you get from the Clippers, that was still going to... That stat right there is not going to win them very many games. I mean, the Nuggets are a team that are battle-tested and can win in tough spots. Usually, it's game one that's easiest to snag for the underdog. But the Nuggets just came back from a 3-1 deficit to beat the Jazz with maybe the best quote so far that I've heard an NBA player say since we got back to action here from coronavirus with Jamal Murray saying he was basically packing his clothes up in the bubble at 3-1 and then he stopped and he's like, no, I'm not packing my clothes up. And then he called his teammates and he was just like, I'm not ready to go home yet. This ain't over. And he put the suitcase away, and that suitcase is still put away because they're tied 1-1 in that series. Doc Rivers basically said they were more aggressive than us. They played with so much more force than us, is a quote. It's amazing we had a chance. It's amazing you had a chance, but it's not because we know how good your basketball team is. That's what's so frustrating about watching a 19-point deficit build, if you're a Clippers fan. And we bring in Brian Finley, who is the ultimate Clippers fan on this show. We'll bring him in uh, a little bit later on. And I'm sure it was frustrating for him, because this just shouldn't happen. And you got Beverly getting ejected late in the fourth, because that's what Patrick Beverly does. That's part of his irritant mantra, the way that he rolls. But it's not that the Clippers weren't aggressive at all. It's that for 12 minutes they weren't aggressive, and they put themselves in a spot where no matter how aggressive they were likely to be, it's just too much to ask to climb Everest at that point in time. You might be able to handle the Appalachians or the Smokies Maybe even Mount McKinley. I don't know, but you weren't going to be able to scale Everest against a good basketball team that already understands how to win. They just haven't made it to a, they haven't made it to an NBA Finals yet because they have young players, but they have young good players, and they were on early. Jokic making jumpers, Murray making threes. They were all over the place. They were faster. They were driving harder. They were forcing the issue, and yeah, they were definitely more aggressive because the Clippers just didn't even appear to have all that much interest in the game until we looked up and it was 44-25, to 25. and it's the second most points in a quarter the Denver Nuggets I think ever scored in their franchise history. That was unexpected. Nuggets beating them, you know, that's going to happen. But the manner in which it happened, that's a little bit obnoxious probably a little concerning if you're a Clippers fan only because you've seen this kind of they've got this little bit of this Lakers at the turn of the, the decade when it was around 2010 that team that was loaded but at times they just kind of slept walked, and you could get them that night and they ended up making series a lot longer than they needed to because of that that's kind of this the Nuggets should be a nuisance but the Clippers are better And the Clippers, if they show up for four quarters the way that we know that they can, as long as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George don't combine for 11 of 36 like they did on Saturday, usually that ought to be enough. At least to get it done in six. And maybe they're still going to get it done in six. That would be my prediction right now. But extending a series with a lot of basketball left to play and crucial basketball left to play, you just you forced yourself to play an extra game if you're the Clippers, at least one more game because you didn't show up for all four quarters. Now you have to show up for an entire more four quarters to get the victory that the other three quarters last night told you you could have gotten in game two. But credit to the Nuggets for showing up, forcing the issue early, being aggressive like Doc Rivers said, putting themselves up 19 in a spot where it was going to be hard to choke it away. And despite the Clippers' best effort to come back and try to take it from them, it just was not meant to be. When we come back, Harden got the Lakers. He got them once. But can he do it as the pressure continues to mount now that, all right, you're up 1-0. You showed some things, if you're Houston, to like... Now the pressure's actually starting to fall, I think, more on James Harden because we've never seen him do it before. I think it's more on him than it is on the Lakers, if you can believe that. I'll try to make that argument when we come back. It's eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. If you want to reach us or tweet me at Radio, We'll be right back here on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet.
1: 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
2: This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class
7: college football being played on Saturday NFL being played in less than a week at least in one locale and now I guess it's a week away in just about everywhere the Titans the team where I do my show here in Nashville they'll be in Denver for Monday night football so a little over a week for them they had a nice Saturday though with Jadeveon Clowney we'll discuss what that means for the hierarchy in the AFC next hour of the program welcome back I'm glad to have you with us Jason Martin show I'm on Twitter at Radio. That's where you can find me. You can also find me hosting Outkick the Coverage Monday in for Clay Travis with my buddy Jeff Schwartz. That'll always be fun. Usually we don't do that show. Usually Clay's in on Labor Day because college football has started. I, I know because I've done, I don't know, at least four shows with him following the Labor Day games, the Labor Day weekend. But obviously there were some games but not a whole lot of big ones. So he's taken a few days. Appreciate that. Happy birthday to his son as well. They enjoyed a Braves game on Saturday. The Rockets and Rockets fans enjoyed Friday a lot more than Lakers fans did. This was not by the script. And this was one of those moments where the greatness of sports emanates through its unpredictability. Sometimes the reason we watch become so crystal clear when we watch the Houston Rockets commit to defense and hold the Los Angeles Lakers to under 100 points. Now, I don't think that the Lakers are a particularly just offensively strong basketball team outside of a few players. You never know exactly who's going to show up on any, on any given night outside the obvious. But even so, the Rockets and James Harden in particular, I mean, James Harden was a regular on Shaqton, and a fool, basically, because he didn't play defense. Now, he has gotten better over the last few years, but no one's ever going to mistake him for Bruce Bowen. But they went out there. They played well. He had 36 points. He was dialed in. That basketball team committed to winning that first game. Again, the first game is critical, but the first game is also the one that that the underdogs should go in doing the best about. It's before momentum's been earned. It's before maybe you've been able to catch up with the rhythms and tones and tendencies of the team that you're playing. The favorite maybe locks in a few games later. Then they really understand what you're doing, how you're doing, and then they can, la- they can outlast you. I mean, anybody can play. All right, so you watch a high school game, right? You're watching a high school football game. When does the blowout really happen? Usually in the second half. High school basketball may be an even better example. The dominance happens late in the second quarter or in the second half. You're going to play pretty tight for a time because if you're out there, you can play. But then you're going to fall behind because you just can't keep up that level of play against more talent. That's why it's tough for the underdog. It's Not the underdogs a scrub. It's not like Damian Lillard and the Blazers couldn't get a game. It's Are they going to be able to hold that up against either a superior roster or two likely immediate Hall of Famers? And the answer there was no. What's the answer here going to be? Well, we don't know. But James Harden made it pretty clear after the game that he knew that they were going to have to put forth the effort. And the effort's going to have to change for the LA Lakers. And I'm not saying that out of my own head, even though it's obvious. LeBron James said it. Here's LeBron James saying what needs to happen on Sunday because Friday was a problem.
8: Well, we had 17 turnovers, 27 points. And versus, versus a team that's a uh, 100-meter-yard um, uh, dash team, um, you, you cannot turn the ball over like that. And it's just that simple. Include, uh, I mean, it starts with myself uh, being the primary uh, ball handler and, and trickles on everyone else. So, you know, we got to do a... a got to be a complete
7: turnaround going in the game too there it is it's the same thing Kawhi basically said it's just like it's as simple as that Kawhi said it's as simple as that 44 25 19 point hole you got to play better than that lebron said you can't turn the ball over 17 times this is why they pay me money to talk about sports on the radio to say that yeah they're going to need a complete turnaround now the question is how many of the 17 turnovers that led to those 27 points came because of Houston committing to defense. Really looking at that side of the ball. Why is Toronto where Toronto is right now? Because their defense is outstanding. Now Boston challenged them a little bit, but if the shots aren't falling, you start to really see what Toronto's defense can be. But that's what Nick Nurse preached all year long. And you see what it has paid off so far to a 2-2 series in the East when it looks like they'll be the best seed remaining if they get past Boston because Milwaukee coming back from 3-0 seems a bit unlikely to me. But the Rockets were the squad that needed to roll in and make a statement early, go ahead and try to pick that first game off, start to feel a little better about themselves and maybe try to force the pressure on the Lakers. Here's James Harden after the game describing the mentality of his basketball team right before they went on the floor.
1: We had to turn the page, and I think we did a really good job of that. Um, you know, yesterday just having one day to prepare, guys were focused, guys were locked in on you know what what they love to do, and um, and how can we just be be you know active and how can we just affect that you know affect that rhythm offensively, um, defensively. Just making sure that you know we're on the same page and we have each other's backs. And um, they came out with a lot of energy, but you know we just sustained it and, and just continue to play our game. I think if we just continue to do that, uh, you know we'll give ourselves a chance. Sets the tone, but it's only one game. You know, it's only one game, and we gotta you know watch film and you know the playoffs is about making adjustments. You know, I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna make adjustments. They're gonna make adjustments, and
7: you gotta get ready for game two. Just one game. And it's a good mindset for Harden to have, and it's a good mindset for his team to have. And it is interesting, he says, you know, we only had one day to prepare. They're ready. The way that this bubble playoffs unfolds, the way it is scheduled, it kind of benefited Houston, even if they might have been a little bit more tired than a Lakers team that hadn't played in a few days. They were dialed in. They were dialed into basketball. They know these rims, they know the lighting, they know how the ball hits the floor, everything. They're familiar. If I show up to do this radio show, and I show up with an empty screen and nothing on it at all, I am capable of sitting here and riffing with you for three hours and just talking about things. But I'm not going to be confident in anything that I do. I'm not going to be confident in anything that I say, right? Confidence comes from preparation. You can have all the natural ability in the world, but you can still find a way to squander it. But if you show up in the right mindset, that's already giving you a five or six point lead. So the Rockets knew going in what they were going to have to do. And they had just gone through a whale of a series where luckily Billy Donovan was the head coach of one of those basketball teams and ensured that Chris Paul didn't have the ball down the stretch for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then in comes the Rockets to finish the job, and they did. And their mentality is, we're prepared. We only have a day to prepare, but we know these guys. We also know ourselves. We know what it will take to beat them. So let's go in and get one game. So they get one game, and what do they say after that game? Hard just says it's one game. We got to keep it up. Now the question is, can they keep it up? And the argument that I teased right before the break was who where is the pressure right now? Where's the where's the momentum and where is the pressure? I don't know where the momentum is because we're in a bubble. I heard Mackenzie Rivers I think say that in the last in the last show it was either him or frat one that suggested there's no momentum inside a bubble because of the lack of a home floor so where is the pressure that one I can answer for you I think you might think it's the Lakers because they're down 0-1. I think it's the Rockets because James Harden plays for the Rockets and James Harden has been in spots where his team should have been able to finish a job and they've not been able to. And you see articles being written in multiple locations, including ESPN.com, right before the series began, saying this is the chance. May have been Zach Lowe that wrote it. This is the chance for Harden to rewrite his legacy. And the legacy that is being spoken of is the one that I have talked about for years on Fox Sports Radio. That being, this is a guy that hasn't been able to get his team as far as an MVP candidate should. As somebody that Charles Brockley says might be the greatest scorer in the history of the NBA, you would expect him to be able to do more. And then, when it doesn't happen, he's going to get the lion's share of that blame because of how much ISO basketball and how much hero ball you see. And I've been awfully critical of James Harden's performances in those moments where you've got to shut the door. To the extent that I've said he's the anti-New England Patriots, which, I mean, that I'm going to back off that now, but I mean the Patriots of yore, in that... They were a team that I often would predict to win, even though I didn't think they had the better team on the field, simply because I'd seen them do it so often that they were going to have to prove me, they were going to have to prove the mindset true inside me that would say that they could actually lose. They had done it so often that I was going to keep saying they were going to do it until they just showed me they couldn't and James Harden is the flip side he had not done it so often whether it was in Oklahoma City when he vanished in the NBA Finals or whether or not it was in Houston repeatedly when they couldn't get past the Warriors or the Spurs to where I have said many times on these airways that until James Harden wins the championship I'll never predict him to do so and if that's making you scratch your head, what I mean is, he's got to win one, and then maybe I'll predict he can do it. Again. But I I can't predict him to win that first one. So at 1-0, I've seen this before. I feel like the pressure is actually on Harden, not on the Lakers. LeBron's won a title. Now, AD hasn't, but he's next to LeBron. If Harden comes up small, if his team can't get over the hump without the Warriors even in the postseason this year, if they can't make it even to the conference finals here and they get dispatched in six games or whatever, what is James Harden then? James Harden is basically Peyton Manning before the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman in the eyes of the most negative Peyton Manning crowd out there. I was never a part of that chorus. I just thought that was more circumstance. This I just look at and I'm just like, for some reason, this guy can't will his team to wins. The way that they played and the way that he sounded. And the sound that we let you hear. Those comments. That guy seems to have the right mentality. But you could still have the right mentality and go out there and get bludgeoned. I'm not jumping off the belief that I think the Lakers will win this series. But Game 2 is real interesting. And if we're looking at 2-0, then maybe the pressure does start to flip. But there's expectation again on James Harden because you got one. You got one, and we know that that's a flawed basketball team, that Lakers squad, despite despite the record. That's a flawed team that has some depth issues and has some some bench issues. Has some tertiary player issues. It's going to be something to watch. No question about that. Let's bring in Brian Finley. Resident Clippers expert. Resident Clippers (laughs) fan. B... That first quarter had to make you sick last night. Oh, it was
4: atrocious. It was like they were sleepwalking through it. As you pointed out, Jason, 44 points in the first quarter. Paul George, after the game, pointed out that, yeah, it was the first quarter where they essentially lost the game because the Clippers could never get it to anything closer than five points, which they did in the fourth quarter, but then the Clippers forgot to guard the perimeter and Denver three-point shooters were just lining up with open threes and knocking them down and how about the play you pointed this out of Nikola Jokic who he was making threes after threes in that first quarter to lead to that big time advantage and then Pat Beverly at the end of this game and I know this is sort of a footnote he gets ejected but there was a chance, whether it was Slim, yeah, you could argue that, at the end for the Clippers to come back, he gets ejected and then it's all but over. And it's like, come on, guys. You know, these are the sort of things that you can avoid happening. I know it's an emotional series. And I realized, Jason, that neither team after the game, there was no like post-game greetings of of anything. They went their separate ways, and if that was sort of a sign for maybe the vitriol between the teams, perhaps that is. Well, well you live by the Beverly, you die by the Beverly. <laughs> yeah, that that is the case, and so we'll have to see. I'm not worried yet. There is still plenty more to be decided, but the final thing I'll say, Jason, about the Clippers is, is they've got so many weapons on this team, I just don't know if they can harness it the right way yet. It's just not there. And I don't know if they can groom and groove it all together, but if they can, they will win it all. Mm-hmm. And Bo Benson knows that for sure even though he is a Lakers fan, but I'll convert him one day. Uh, the Nuggets score 44 first quarter points and hang glide the rest of the way topping the Clippers 110, 101 to tie their second round series at one. Here's Clips Paul George pointing out what went awry. We just
8: couldn't find a basket in the first quarter. That was, you know, really the game. You know, us not playing defense and allowing them rhythm and shots in the first quarter and us not making shots uh, was a big swing in that first quarter.
4: The Clippers got to within five points in the fourth but then Denver put it away with a couple three-pointers. The Raptors step on the Celtics' 193 to make it two games to two in their second-round matchup. Toronto made ten more threes. Boston's Jalen Brown, 18 shots, settling for only 14 points. Kemba Walker only took nine shots, which he called Unacceptable. He's right. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. And we've also seen Jason Giannis in some of these playoff games take a small amount of shots and you're wondering, well, if you're the dominant presence you are, why aren't you asserting yourself more? Mm-hmm. The Islanders go to the Eastern Conference Finals, winning Game 7 against the Flyers for nothing. The first time New York has gotten to that stage of the postseason in 27 years. NFL reporter Josiah Anderson reporting Jadavian Clowney will sign with the Tennessee Titans. Clowney has informed the Saints of this decision as they were pushing for him late. A couple scores from baseball, the Dodgers dropped to 30-11 and 11 after giving up three runs in the ninth. The Rockies win in LA 5-2. to two. The Marlins clown the AL East leading Tampa Bay Rays 7-3. And the Nationals score eight unanswered runs to neutralize the Braves 10-4. And Jason, I saw that Clay took his son yep. to Atlanta and had his son given a Braves birthday wish on the Jumbotron. Wish there was a, a better ending to that game for them. But yes, that might have been a pretty surreal experience if you were in the Travis
7: family. Family. jason no doubt to you no doubt good day for the travis family no question welcome back fox sports radio studios brought to you by geico easy to save 15 percent or more on car insurance with geico your website is geico.com the phone number is 800-947-AUTO the only hard part figuring out which way is easier yeah kimball walker can't take nine shots folks just like Giannis honest can't disappear we're going to talk a lot about Giannis before the end of the show. We haven't really waded into that too deeply. We may wait till the third hour because I want to talk a lot of NFL in the second hour of the show. But nine shots when Jalen Brown is 0 for 8 from three before he finally makes one. And to make one, there was a wet spot on the floor and his defender hit the ground. So he basically had a wide open three just before that he had missed two in a row and they had looks that was what was so annoying is even though Toronto plays great defense the shots that Boston was missing in the second half in particular were shots you just have to make that's the whole well if you are living by the jump shot sometimes you're going to perish by it too the Charles Barkley argument which is why he always didn't want to pick jump shooting teams it's like who could get easy buckets Well, here the Celtics had opportunities to get easy buckets and just couldn't get it done. Still a great series. The Raptors have been the better team in the third quarter all series long, too. I think they're plus 18 in the third quarter. So they're taking advantage there and putting themselves in a position in the fourth quarter to get the job done. The Celtics probably feel like they should be up 3-1 right now. Toronto was a better team last night, but in Game 3, I still think, Celtics were probably the better team. Just didn't get the win. I mean, you saw what it took to, to win that game. Unbelievable pass by Lowry. Good Lord. I know we've had another game since, but that cross-court pass to Ananobi was outrageous, folks. As good as you will ever see. I will continue to say that watching these bubble games, the quality of play has been a lot better than I thought it was going to be. These have been some really good sporting events that's been a pleasure and we need as many pleasures as we can find in 2020 when it comes to our escapes hour two we will talk uh christopher nolan top 10 i'll review tenant for you when we come back i did watch college football maybe you did as well decent temperatures outside here in nashville all this is feeling all kinds of right it does feel like fall we're getting there folks we'll be right back here on fox sports radio
0: Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like,
0: Chef, what course are we on? Uh, I've lost count.
4: Or, shoot that, shoot that!
7: Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by Geico, Jason Martin Show. We still got two more hours coming up. A lot of fun still to be had. A lot of NBA in this hour. I'm watching a replay right now of Raptors-Celtics during the fourth quarter. Raptors are going to win this game. Spoiler alert. Sorry to break that to you if you're watching it for the first time. But if you are, you're probably not doing yourself a favor by listening to sports talk. You got to go social media dark, folks. I'm an expert at this, especially when it comes to golf tournaments. Golf majors in particular, I don't like watching necessarily live just because if I can skip the commercial breaks, I can speed it up just a little bit and just keep the momentum rolling. So during those times, I'm completely off of social media and have my phone in another room so nobody can just oh did you see no I didn't as a matter of fact so like I said football I said right before the break I watched college football on Saturday Memphis Arkansas State watched a little bit of the SMU game Shane Bichelle saw MTSU and Army for a little bit those first two games whoo yikes Not particularly pretty. Saw some football on Thursday. College football. Things are feeling right. Pumpkin spice is out. And I've got no shame in telling you I'm a pumpkin spice enthusiast. My wife and I go out today grab a couple of pumpkin-flavored caffeine beverages walk our dog beautiful isn't it beautiful everywhere in the country right now i mean it was 115 here today it was 68 this morning dew points in the 50s yeah it was a little warm this afternoon it was a little above 80 we're getting there folks it is clearly fall all across the country
3: i'm pretty sure it's like 90 degrees outside our (laughs) studio here right now
7: i'm sorry i'm just joking i'm just i'm having fun (laughs) at this point Was it really 115 degrees out there?
3: That's what weather told me, weather.com told me when I, I, I just, I've kept the AC on all day and I just, my cat kept looking out the window and I'm like, no, nothing is opening right now. But I did walk outside to get like a sandwich and it did feel triple digits, high triple digits.
7: All right. We're talking heat index 115 or 115, like feels like 115 temperature or actual 115? I mean,
3: weather.com was telling me 115, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that was
7: a
0: No. No, it, dry, very it, dry. It felt like Palm Springs. If anyone's listening, ever been to Palm Springs, it's, you immediately know what that means. And that's just exactly what it feels like. Yeah.
7: Okay. Well, I mean, I know it's generally, it's not really a humid area, at least not when I was out there last year. It was awesome out there, even though it was warm. It's nothing like it is here just because of humidity. The, the, the difference today for us was, or yesterday was the dew point being in the 50s made it not sticky outside for the first time in days so that was nice so well i guess other than outside of chris perfett's place and wherever it is that bo benson lives the weather was nice and college football was being played we're going to preview the nfl deshaun watson gets his money but will he get a championship in houston we will discuss next Hour number two, live from the Fox Sports Radio studios, brought to you by Geico. My name is Jason Martin. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm on Twitter at Radio. More important than that, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance with our partners at Geico. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Bo, Chris, and Brian. The trifecta spin in the Dallas radio style. We'll hear plenty from them as we move forward. I have done segments on the show about how you need to take L's when you get things wrong, and I may take an L before the end of this program. But you can also stand up and say, "Yeah, I got that one right." You got to watch your pride, no question. You want to always err on the side of humility, but I am going to tell you, I told you so on Sean Watson. I said it on Outkick the Coverage at the time he entered the league. I was the executive producer of that show. And I said it then, he should have been the first pick in the draft. There are a few sporting events I have attended in person that I will never forget. In those moments where you just can't believe you do this for a living. One of them was on the sidelines watching Clemson and Alabama in the national championship game. That year of the Hunter Renfro touchdown after Jalen Hurts had given Alabama the lead from the following year on the sidelines and then in the locker room, Alabama-Georgia, the Tua game. But we were standing on the Clemson sideline, basically. When they they let the media down for the last five minutes of the game. We're all in the press box or elsewhere. And then last five they'll let you on the field. So that's what we did. And we're standing on the Clemson sideline and I've just witnessed Deshaun Watson play, and I'd seen him the year before play unbelievably well in a lost Alabama in a championship game. Already knew what he was capable of, but then watching him up close, it's just <clears throat> just kind of thing you don't forget. It was one of the great thing, great performances I'd ever seen. After Watson threw what would be the game winner with, I think, three seconds left. He came over the sidelines probably 10 feet from us, and that's where the celebration started. There would be the kick, and then that was it. And then it was pandemonium on the field, but I remember walking away from that saying, I don't care who else you like. Nobody should go ahead of that guy. That guy's going to be a superstar. You could see it. So when you see Mitchell Trubisky go ahead of him, way ahead of him, as a matter of fact, based on a very limited sample size, it didn't make sense. I'd seen a couple of wow throws from Trubisky in the Sun Bowl when North Carolina played Stanford that year, but I didn't see anything that told me I would take him over to Sean Watson. But you never know until you actually see it what it's going to be. Well, you know now, folks, Saturday morning, four-year, $160 million contract extension with the Texans and Deshaun Watson. Now, he's getting paid the money he deserves. And if you want to see how much respect he has in the league, it's not just J.J. Watt and David Johnson, his own teammates, tweeting stuff. Russell Wilson, congrats, bro. Much deserved. Kenny Stills with a a gif in his favor. Michael Thomas, congratulations. Keep it going. Warren Moon, congratulations to Deshaun Watson on your new deal. You're a special talent and a great leader. H-Town, you're in good hands. Warwick Dunn, who is incredibly responsible for a lot of what Deshaun Watson has, and Warwick Dunn's done unbelievable work for so many people. I mean, he was great on the field. What he's done off the field... Go, go take a look and see what stories you can find on Warwick Dunn. Class personified. He says to Deshaun, congrats with the contract extension. I'm really happy for you and your family. Good luck this year. Buda Baker, Sheesh, keep them coming. Congrats, Deshaun Watson. Love to see it. Everybody. This is... $111 million in guarantees. Total value of 177.54. It's only behind Mahomes as the largest contract in NFL history. Largest quarterback. He's going to be there through 2025. He's going to have an opportunity to make more money. But this is a no-brainer if he wanted to be there. And I guess he did. I remember thinking... With everything that's going on with Bill O'Brien and get rid of DeAndre Hopkins, who was friends with Deshaun Watson, very close with him, I thought, well, Deshaun needs to go somewhere else. He needs to go be a Patriot. He needs to go elsewhere. I guess not. And if you saw Deshaun Watson's reaction, and you saw this was building in the last handful of weeks, they're working on an extension. They're working on an extension. They're going to try and get this done before the season. I was a little shocked. I, I thought that he might test the market a little bit and see what else was out there for him because a lot would have been out there for him. But he decides he's going to stay where they drafted him. And it was real cool. We had Dabo Swinney, his college head coach at Clemson, and other people crashing his kind of Zoom press conference to congratulate him, which is a really cool moment. But let's hear from Deshaun Watson. Here's Deshaun Watson reacting to what happened and just being raw and emotional in the moment because he just realized not only is he set for life, but his kids, their kids, set for life. Here is a very overwhelmed Deshaun Watson.
8: The money is is, is amazing. Um, it's life-changing. It's great. But the biggest thing is for the Miner family, OB, Jack, to just trusting me and believing me that uh, you know I'm their guy, I'm their quarterback is the biggest thing that really touches me. You know, growing up from where, I, where I'm from, there's not too many people to make it out, and so for them to, I mean, for them to just trust me, I mean, it means the most. So that's, that's the biggest thing. The country, I knew it was that was gonna take care of itself. My biggest reason was the locker room, and just my performance on the field. Because that's, I mean, that's been something that really just got me from all the negativity.
7: 2020 takes an L. Right there. I said you got to take an L. When 2020 needs to take a lot of L's, man. Last week we talked about Chadwick Boseman. We had Justin Towns Earl pass away. We had Cliff Robinson pass away. We had John Thompson pass away. We had Lute Olson pass away. 2020 needs to take a vacation. But we also need to see some victories. On Saturday, we saw college football being played. 2020 taking an L. On Friday, we saw Tenet open in theaters. 2020 took an L. And then right there, an overwhelmed superstar of superstars in Deshaun Watson. Emotionally reacting to what's happened in his life. Whether you're a Texans fan or whether or not you can't stand them. It's hard not to think 2020 just took another L, right? Maybe we need to start totaling totaling up the L's that this year can take before we get to 2021. Because this was cool and this guy earned it. And this is one where I'm going to say I told you so because I did. Now the question is this, Deshaun Watson got paid, but is he going to get a title? I do not think, as long as Bill O'Brien is the one making the decisions or wearing the prime headset, that he will. That's one of the reasons I thought he should leave, because if Billy O is still there, you need to get on out. BOB, outcast, bombs over Baghdad, get on out. Out. But he's going to stay. He's staying with the team that moved up and took him. That gave him faith and maybe was offered maybe able to offer him more than anybody else was. And maybe he just loves it there and loves that community. And if so, more power to him. I fear, and as as a matter of fact, I'm not even going to fear it. I'm just going to go right ahead and tell you, this storyline, until the O'Brien thing gets worked out, or he proves me very wrong about what he is able to do as a coach, Deshaun Watson is going to be awesome winning nine or ten games every year. And this is Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy 2.0. Except that I think these two guys like each other better. But in terms of what's what was the take when Aaron Rodgers was the elite of the elite? It was, imagine what he could do with somebody else coaching. And maybe with better personnel acquisitions. They've tried to kind of grab some other guys in the wake of what they did with DeAndre Hopkins. Now, you don't know if David Johnson is going to stay healthy or whether or not he's going to be good, even if he is. But they do have a lot of wide receivers there. Maybe they're all going to flourish. When you've got Will Fuller, I have my doubts just because he's usually hurt. Hopefully that won't be the case. Hopefully nobody's going to be hurt this year. But if you look at that Texans team and you just... That guy getting paid, absolutely... But is he just going to keep on having to play with one hand tied behind his back? Because his head coach is not all that good. And has weird relationships in the locker rooms at times and can be kind of bristly and hard to deal with and just there's something off about that franchise with Bill O'Brien there. So I'm really happy for Deshaun Watson and if he's happy then okay, you know, I'm not going to tell him he made a mistake. If that's where he wants to be and he's made that value decision for himself and, and he's good with it, then that's awesome. Like I told you, 2020 took an L just listening to the emotion there with his family. If, he, if you've seen the video of his family crashing his press conference as well and him getting emotional, he's a happy guy. He's a rich guy because he worked hard because he had unbelievable God-given ability. And if that's what's going to make them happy, then perfect. I have to look at it from the standpoint of championships. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? Who's going to win the division? What seed are they going to be? Are they ever going to advance anywhere really in the playoffs? All of that stuff. And the Texans are still kind of a, a flawed organization in that metric. So is Deshaun Watson more likely to win a Super Bowl or is he more likely to be a great quarterback that pulls all kinds of heroics so that his team can win 10 games and continue to win the AFC South or be in position to do so in the final couple of weeks of every season? And if you're a Texans fan, when is enough going to be enough? And how long before you get a regular coach in there? Another coach in there. With a four year extension that keeps him there through 2025. How many years of Deshaun Watson's career are you going to waste? How many sacks is he going to take? Yep, they've improved the offensive line. They have, finally. But there's still problems but one of them's not, your quarterback. Your quarterback and the decision that you made on Saturday as an organization, I applaud you on that one. Because I told you so on Sean Watson. Years ago and still today, superstar of superstars. His biggest obstacle may not be Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, may not be the Steelers or the Titans or whatever. I think his biggest obstacle is still Bill O'Brien. 87799 on Fox on Twitter at J Radio. When we come back, we'll stay in the AFC South because Jadevian Clowney is going to the Tennessee Titans. I do the show in Nashville, so that's the team that I have to cover. But I think. There's a question to be asked about the AFC hierarchy outside of the top two teams and maybe whether or not this shifts that in any way. How big a signing is Clowney to Tennessee? We'll discuss that, plus talk about whether or not Tampa Bay's a legit Super Bowl contender with the addition of Leonard Fournette. All of that still to come. We'll be right back here on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM.
8: Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for best documentary feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists.
4: You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are
0: human.
8: This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. Thank you.
7: Too. Welcome back. We're in the Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by Geico, Jason Martin Show. I am that guy Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartradio John Roach sent me a couple of tweets during the break I say that like I know John Roach but I don't, but he sent me a couple of tweets Dude, it will be 120 degrees tomorrow with rare humidity involved here in the Palm Springs area, truly awful I spent much time in Nashville, which I love, he's married to a uh, Franklonian, he says trust me this is beyond even that nasty summer you get and then he said it's 99 right now at 1 a.m all right so i was kind of half well i mean i was kidding about the weather we had talked during the break i was like it's real pleasant here but not real pleasant on the west coast 99 at 1 a.m fellas that's rough it is that's there's just nothing else to say there's no analysis needed 99 at 1 a.m is just not fair well, here's another one where 2020 needs to take another L and bring that down about, oh, I don't know, 20 degrees or so, at least. It is September. Jadevian Clowney finally has a football team month after month after month after month. Diana Rossini and others of the ESPN, locals here where I'm at in Nashville. Finally, on Saturday, Tennessee gets the job done. It was down to them and the Saints. And the Saints did everything they could. Sean Payton eating dinner with Clowney last night. sending representatives to Houston. being all kinds of public about it. And he still goes to Tennessee. And the rationale, according to Josina Anderson, is familiarity. Well, Vrabel was with him in 2017 in Houston. And there are some teammates that he has familiarity with as well. So what does Clowney to the Titans do to the AFC hierarchy? The general consensus is that the top two teams in the AFC are Tier 1, and then you start to go Tier 2, and then you can start making arguments. It's Chiefs and Ravens, according to most. I think there's a fun question to be asked as to who the third best team in the AFC should be, or who you should see as the third best team in the AFC right now. There are a few teams that you could argue. The Steelers would be one. If Roethlisberger is as right as he looks, I mean, that team had no business being in the games it was in last year, considering who was playing quarterback for him. You can put them, you could maybe put the Texans there because when you've got Deshaun Watson, you're always going to be in the mix. I don't think you really look at anybody in the AFC East. I like the Bills. I don't think the Bills are the third best team. I just, I got to see more from Josh Allen before I can go there. I think Stephon Diggs makes them better. I like McDermott. I like that defense, but they're going to go as Josh Allen goes. And I'm still not sure where Josh Allen's going to take me. The Browns are intriguing, but they're not the third best team. The hype is down, so I actually anticipate they're going to have a pretty good year. I like what I've seen and heard, which is not very much, but some good humility from Baker Mayfield. They've still got all that talent, and now they have a coach that I think you're probably going to like a lot better than you like Freddie Kitchens and Kevin Stefanski. So that's just, that might be the list. You might like the Colts. Chris Ballard's done an outstanding job of building that team. They're going to go as Philip Rivers goes. Question is how much football does Phillip Rivers have left? It didn't look like he had any last year, but how much of that was because of the dysfunctional nature and all the injuries and everything that was going on with the Chargers. That's yet to be seen. We don't know enough for me to feel particularly good about putting the Colts at three. I think it's two teams. I think it's either Pittsburgh or it's Tennessee. Why Tennessee? Well, they paid Tannehill, and that name isn't going to blow you away, but he did have a 70.4% completion percentage last year. That was a 2-4 and four Titans team. That he then, once he became the starter, replacing Marcus Mariota, went 7-3 and three and then won two playoff games. So he was 9-4 and four as the starting quarterback for the Titans. Derrick Henry the NFL rushing champion last year and he's been paid A.J. Brown, the rookie wide receiver out of Ole Miss all he did last year was in multiple categories outdo as a rookie names like Randy Moss Julio Jones Terrell Owens Odell Beckham Jr. among many unreal what he was able to do with 1,053 yards as a rookie. And it was a little bit of slow going early because he and Mariota didn't have, well, I mean, nobody in Mariota had the touch. And that's not it. I mean, Corey Davis was a number 5 pick. Hasn't really lived up to it, but he dealt with a nagging toe last year. If he's healthy this year, perhaps he can really emerge as a wide receiver. Adam Humphreys, you know what he could do in Tampa Bay. He can move the chains. He was a little bit banged up last year. He may have a full healthy season. Jonu Smith's a very underrated athletic tight end that can get a lot more than 439 yards this year. Their offensive line has that continuity thing going for them where they really all know each other. Conklin left, but the guy that replaced him, plus they drafted Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia, but you've got Dennis Kelly who's very, very capable. And has started games in this league already for this team. They know each other. Lawan's not going to miss the first month of the season like he did last year with the suspension. That's just the offensive side. Defense, the secondary's great. You have question marks at outside linebacker. They get Vic Beasley, but he's barely practiced. But they did say, okay, he's now on the active 53 on Saturday. Beasley has been a bit of a disappointment any NFL but he's a linebacker that can get to the passer and then up front Jeff Simmons a second year out of Mississippi State made it more possible to let Jarrell Casey go while he still has a few good years left in his career and he'll match up with the Titans in week one in Denver as he suits up for the Broncos. But one of the big question marks for the Titans, if you wanted to try and get them to that number three spot, was a lack of consistent pass rush. They were less than middle of the pack last year. And that's what you want from Jadeveon Clowney. And now Clowney's sack numbers haven't been otherworldly the way that maybe you assumed they would be as he was coming out of South Carolina. He's missed 21 games in six years due to injuries. He has 32 sacks in 75 games and 66 starts. However, he often takes so much attention that somebody else ends up getting those sacks. He's a disruptor. He's somebody that has to be factored in when he's out there. So what does Jadeveon Clowney making the decision to go to Tennessee do for that number 3 spot? And does it push anybody out of 1 or 2? I can't quite get there. The Titans are coming off an AFC Championship run where they lost to Kansas City. But right now, just the way teams were starting to build themselves in the NBA to beat the Golden State Warriors... Now teams are having to structure themselves in a way where they can beat Kansas City and beat Baltimore. New England tried to structure itself so that it could beat Baltimore, but just didn't have the skill talent. And we're going to see what Cam Newton can do with still not a lot of skill talent on the offensive side of the ball this season. But Clowney's a guy who can play that Mike linebacker spot or he can come off the edge for you as a defensive end and he can wreak havoc there are times when he looks like the best player on the field and then there's times you can't recognize him you couldn't pick him out of a lineup because he's not he doesn't feel like he's even out there he can play with an edge maybe a little bit too much of an edge we've seen a few of those instances but he adds another menacing force to to a Titans defense that needs it. Because the crucial thing, maybe even more so in the AFC than the NFC, because of the mobility of those quarterbacks, is to really make them antsy and get the ball out of their hands before they would like to let it go. Watson, Mahomes, Jackson, Mayfield, this newer crop of guys in particular, the ones that are a little bit younger than, say, the Ben Roethlisbergers and Phillip Rivers of the world. Those guys, being able to contain them, keep them from getting outside the hash marks and upfield if necessary, and uncomfortable, putting pressure on the offensive line, pushing it back, collapsing a pocket, creating ruckus. And provided and Clowney can stay healthy, which is a big if, It's a big provision to Grant. He makes the Tennessee Titans better. The Steelers are the only other team that I look at and think, okay, that could be the third best team. Maybe the Colts are in that top five. I think that's probably it. In some form, it is Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and Indianapolis. I just don't believe enough in Phillip Rivers right now to go there. I think the Bills, you could argue, maybe at five. Maybe if you are very generous, you could get them to four. And if Josh Allen balls out, then okay. But where is your comfort zone? Who are you most confident in? Now that the Titans have maybe fixed their kicking issue, we don't know. But Steven Goskowski was signed this week. They had one of the worst kicking stretches. The second half of last year was one of the all-time statistical worst kicking performances in the history of the National Football League. The team still somehow made it to the AFC title game because they were scoring touchdowns at a clip that just ain't going to duplicate itself. You're not going to do that again. And they had to because they could not kick a field goal. They were missing extra points. So how would you slot it? Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Indianapolis. Is there somebody I'm forgetting? Would you throw Buffalo there? I don't think you could get them to three. I think the only two teams I could really make a solid arc, maybe three, I don't know. Rivers, there's just too much unknown there. I have been told by NFL people that Rivers still has something left that last year wasn't on him. And if you watch it, you could see it wasn't on him. When I watched him, he looked brutal last year. So I listen to what they say and I say, okay, one of us is right and one of us is wrong. You know more about the game than me. What I saw was a guy that looked broken. Just in terms of, he was a toy that now you need to take it away from your dog because he's ripped the plush lining around the neck. And you love that toy and you know the dog loves that toy. So you need to take it away from him and sew it before you give it back to him or it's going to end up in the trash. Philip Rivers is the toy that needs to be sewed based on what I saw. An all-time great. But how much does he have left? It's the confidence in the quarterbacks right now that gets me to Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Roethlisberger, I think, does have something left. And I think he's coming back in the best mental framework that I've seen him in in a long time, based on everything I've read about him during this offseason and the introspection, and maybe the found humility as well. And then Tannehill, I just, you may not love Ryan Tannehill, but nothing Ryan Tannehill did last year is something he couldn't do again based on his skill set. Now, is he going to throw for 71% again? Probably not. But he was always an accurate guy who knew what he was doing when he was healthy in Miami. It wasn't that he couldn't play and couldn't win games when he was there. It's just that he couldn't stay healthy. He had two partially torn ACLs, a shoulder issue, and that concerns you. But if he's healthy, he's certainly capable of going out there and winning games, more than a game manager. If you need him to go out there and throw you more yards, he can do it. But it's still going to be a run-first offense, I believe, because you have Derrick Henry there, and you have an offensive line that should be able to clear space for him. So I don't know that Clowney changes my thought because I think Tennessee is the third best team in the AFC right now. But the Clowney signing is definitely interesting and it's just interesting that it finally happened and how long he waited. Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network, made it pretty clear yeah, he might not like training camp very much. Yeah, he wasn't going to practice. This information comes down Saturday evening. I was thinking to myself, well, maybe he was worried there was a Saturday afternoon practice so he wasn't going to make this decision until there was no possible way he could be on a practice field. I mean, whatever. Let's bring in Brian Finley and catch up on the latest, including two NBA games, some baseball, and Kentucky Derby actually happened yesterday also.
4: Yeah, I was going to bring that up as well. In a crazy winner's circle environment you might have seen where the winning horse basically got so excited that he kind of knocked over some of the fans like they were bowling pins in the winter circle. The Nuggets slurp up 44 points in the first quarter and weather the Clippers 110-101 to tie the second round series at 1. Denver coach Mike Malone smiled at the way his team hounded Kawhi Leonard, who shot 4 of 17 from the floor. Jeremy Grant's defense on Kawhi was
8: spectacular but the four guys behind it were giving the necessary help. I thought Gary Harris's defense
4: on Paul George was terrific, but the help behind that was what we need and what we didn't have in game one. The Raptors pile drive the Celtics 100-93 to even the Eastern Conference semis at two games. Kyle Lowry had 22-11 and 7. Jalen Brown puking all over the court. Shot 4 of 18 from the floor. He misfired 9 three-pointers. Meantime Kemba Walker took only 9 shots, which he called unacceptable. The Islanders dispose of the Flyers for nothing in Game 7 to parade into the Eastern Conference Finals. NFL insider Josina Anderson notes the Titans win the Jadavian Clowney sweepstakes. The free agent pass rusher rejecting a late Saints offer. In baseball, the Dodgers drop to 30-11, and barfing up three runs in the ninth. The Rockies win 5-2. L.A. still has a six-game lead in the NL West. In the AL West, it's the Oakland Athletics who are in first as they nauseate the Padres 8-4. A hodgepodge of college football games went live on Saturday. Memphis smearing Arkansas State 37-24. Tigers quarterback Brady White connecting on four touchdowns. SMU sideswipes Texas State 34-27. Army takes a crowbar to Middle Tennessee State 42-0 in Jason Martin's territory. Marshall skewers Eastern Kentucky 59-0 and off. Authentic wins the Kentucky Derby. And Jason, I don't know if you saw this, but like when the Colt got into the winner's circle, it basically got so excited that it started knocking people over. And people like literally were bowling over like bowling pins. It was quite the scene. Luckily, it sounds like everybody's okay. And unfortunately, the horse was unable to to speak about the matter. But a
7: win for Authentic. That would have been a great audio clip if you had had (laughs) authentic audio of authentic speaking. Yes, of course. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right. Let's bring in the crew here real quick. Your, your thoughts on what I just laid out there. Who do you think the third best team in the AFC is? Do you think it's Pittsburgh? Do you think it's Indy? Do you think it's Tennessee? Is it Buffalo? Is there anybody else I'm forgetting? Where are you guys?
0: Um, I think a team that's kind of getting forgotten, which is probably because of their schedule, is Denver. Uh, their defense is going to be good, and if Drew Locke pans out with the weapons, I think they could make a case as a third best team in the AFC. I hope you're right. I mean, I'm a Denver
7: Broncos fan. I know I, I cover the Titans, so I, so I was certainly I don't despise them by any means. But I'm a Broncos fan, so I hope you're right. Um, I just feel like there's a, there's a lot of question marks there, Chris. How are you? How do you how do you feel about the third best team in the AFC? I'm kind of chawing
3: here a little bit. I keep wanting to go back and forth between the Houston Texans, but I, I feel like my money's going to end up landing on the Pittsburgh Steelers here. I just can't see them having another down year, especially if you can get. Roethlisberger back healthy for an entire season. Uh, I I think they have at least enough energy to kind of push through, especially in that particular division. Uh, you know, the Bengals aren't going to be there yet. Their first year out of the gate with, with Burrow and the Browns are kind of a dumpster fire. And yeah, the, the Ravens are going to take up a lot of space, but I, I really do think that there is room for them to get to a wild card. I just, I, I just don't like saying the third best team in the AFC isn't going to be a division winner. It just feels weird to me, especially that I still think the Patriots are still going to be formidable and again, I think the Texans are probably taking the South this year, but they'll be in a fight with the Titans for sure and the Colts. That'll be an interesting division.
7: Yeah, I mean, I think the Titans should be favored to win the division and will win the division. That's why I can get them to three, but I agree with you. I think Pittsburgh is right there and I definitely think that they are going to be the team nobody wants to see this year that showed last year how much talent they had because they were they were in games they had no business being in because basically i was playing quarterback for them when we come back what did i think attended i saw it twice i've got some pros and cons about christopher nolan's latest he's my favorite director um and i'm gonna rank his 10 films for you as well and then we can debate stick around here on fox sports radio
0: enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at bet mgm
1: 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Terms apply. This is Holly Fry
6: from Stuff You Missed in History Class.
7: Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by Geico. Jason Bard Show, third hour still to come, stick with us. Saw Tenet twice this week. I'm a film critic, but film screenings are pretty much not happening right now as a result of the pandemic. So I caught it in Dolby, Atmos, on Wednesday. Then I went again on Friday afternoon because I just wanted to see if I could wrap my brain around it the second time. Chris is my favorite director. Maybe yours as well. It's just, it's been that way for a long time. Usually I watch all of his films in a run up to his newest one. This year I did not end up doing that. watched The Prestige and didn't uh, get as far as I would have preferred to in that case. But here's my thoughts on Tenet without spoiling anything. It's definitely something to see in a movie theater. However, I'm going to enjoy it more probably at home because I can put subtitles on. This is the first time in a long time that it's just been very difficult to understand the dialogue. There's a constant droning bed underneath everything and some of these accents are hard to hear. And because it's mic'd in the way that it is, the way that it's mixed... To make it more real in the moment, you got people talking behind gas masks and all these kinds of things. You just can't understand half this stuff. And if you can't understand the dialogue in a movie that is by far his most intricately weird in terms of paradoxes and time shifts and all this other kind of stuff, you just get lost. I'm not getting Ten minutes into this thing, I felt like I had missed something important and I never caught up. I was lost on Wednesday, the first time I saw it completely. I, I sat there for the next two hours and 10 minutes completely lost. I picked up the broadest of broad swaths about what was going on, that was it. So I went back Friday and I saw it an IMAX. And IMAX was better than Dolby in that it was a little softer. Dolby was so loud, it just it did not work for the voices at all. IMAX was a little better. I was able to understand a little bit more. Pattinson's accent was almost impossible to understand. In Dolby, I understood a little bit better in IMAX. Everybody's was. Kenneth Branagh was doing a Russian accent as Andrei Sator, the Russian oligarch who's in the film, pretty much the villain of the film. And he's fantastic in this role. But you couldn't hear or understand three quarters of what he was saying you can get lost real easy even if you're paying attention to everything here John David Washington's incredible in this movie so is Elizabeth DeBecky Pattinson is great Branagh is great it's a Nolan film you're going to get your money's worth but I was still a little disappointed because when somebody asked me this they say is Nolan's situation so difficult because he's graded on his own scale, that if it's not mind-blowing in every way, you find it disappointing. I think that's right. I felt like Tenet needed to make me feel the same way Inception did the first time I saw it, or I was going to think it was a disappointment, because they're very similar movies. Just in terms of, I think those two would be in the same classification, where, I mean, they're not the same as The Dark Knight and things like that. There's different kinds of Nolan films. Dunkirk is not really comparable in any way to Inception or Tenet, just as an example. So I, I came out of Tenet the second time feeling like, okay, I certainly enjoyed this more. But when you get to see it with subtitles, I'm hoping that it comes through even better. I didn't get to my Nolan rankings. We'll do it at the end of the program. Stick with us. Hour number three coming up next. Coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios. Brought to you by Geico. Jason Martin Show. Third hour. Third hour of the program we're glad to have you with us wherever you happen to be across the country glad to have geico alongside for the ride as well 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance visit geico.com for a free rate quote game two coming up today In the NBA and based on everything that we saw and heard from game one I argued in the first hour of the show I think that the pressure still is sitting on Houston because it's James Harden because he has failed sometimes not because he hasn't shown up but a lot of times because he just hasn't been at his best in the moments when he can close the door on somebody I feel like the pressure's on him because he knows it's on him he feels it LeBron's won multiple championships Anthony Davis is playing next to LeBron But Houston's been in a spot where they could do something like this before and has never done it. Chris Paul's not there anymore. Russell Westbrook is. But if you recall, Portland beat Los Angeles in the first game of their series, too. And it was the only one they won. LeBron said, after game one, we kind of have a sense now of their speed. It's another reason why it's the easiest game to win for an underdog. That being game one, because those tendencies and things like that—even if you played them four times during the regular season—it's different in the playoffs. The energy is different, the atmosphere is different. So you kind of just have to feel it out. Long series are stories. Each thing is a chapter. So the Lakers learned something in game one, so they're going to adjust. And that's what Harden said on Friday. It's like, yeah, it's just one game. We're both going to be making adjustments here. They came out with the right mindset, and they got one. Now they got to get three more. But what happens if the Rockets win game two tonight? And the Lakers are down 0-2. Can they come back? Yes. Will they come back? I don't know. It depends on how that game plays out. If the Rockets don't commit to defense the way that they did in the first game and just outshoot the Lakers in Game 2, I'll feel better about the Lakers' chances to come back. If the Rockets commit to defense again the way they did in very focused fashion in Game 1... Then you start to see a trend of they have discovered how they need to play against this team. This is a team not really known for its defense. There are a couple guys on that squad that are strong on that side of the ball. But if they're going to commit in that way and be consistent in that commitment, that's how you get wins, that's how you win series. That's how you surprise some folks. The Lakers have a great record, but I don't think they're a juggernaut. And they will play better defense. I guarantee you they're going to play far better defense on Sunday against Houston than they did on Friday. Harden went for 36. He may go for 36 again, but the rest of them boys are going to have struggles getting buckets. This Lakers team is a great defensive team. That was likely going to be the difference, if nothing else, in the Portland series, is that Portland could score with anybody, but they couldn't stop anybody. Here, the Lakers will play D, and Houston needs to match them in that way, and still manage to be almost the same degree of efficient. But if the Lakers fall down 2-0, it just depends on how the story plays out tonight. I just told you, a series is a book basically, or it's a series of books Volume 1 ended with the Rockets on top. Now book 2 is going to begin. I think the first quarter is going to be crucial here Lakers come out and establish this thing early if LeBron's really aggressive if AD's looking for his shot early too if they're forcing the issue, if they're playing the role of the first quarter Denver Nuggets from last night, they can put a stranglehold on this thing to where I think the the brains of the Rockets will already be looking towards Game 3. And this is something that the Lakers are capable of doing. But they're going to have to play far better defense than they played, and they're going to have to protect the basketball. LeBron said 17 turnovers from us led to 27 points for the Rockets going to have to be better how many of the 17 turnovers were from sloppy play and careless play or was it just the tenacity of the Rockets that forced the ball out of the hands of the guys in the LA jerseys they are going to have to be better, they're going to have to be crisper the Rockets got to win three But if this is a 1-1 series, I'm not worried at all if I'm a Lakers fan. And right now, I'm really not concerned. If we get past four quarters tonight and it's the same thing, then you can start to have a little bit of concern. Because if you're down 2-0 and it's the same story, they could not somehow escape the ferocity, if you can believe that, of the Houston Rockets defense then you're in trouble. Because then there's a discovery. Then there's a, even though this isn't really our style, this might actually win us the title, so maybe it should become our style. But one game is one game. Harden was smart enough to say that. I think until this thing becomes 2-0, and maybe even after 2-0, the pressure is still firmly on the Rockets. Not because they're the underdogs, but because James Harden's reputation and legacy could change in an instant. If they're finally able to not just make it to a conference finals, but actually compete for a championship here. And if you go through the Lakers and you send LeBron home, I still think you're going to be meeting the Clippers anyway. And then it's Kawhi, and then, well, you know, I think Kawhi's the best player in the world, but that's why I already picked the Clippers to win the championship. Harden's just a guy that we haven't seen do it before, and I think it's in his head as much as it is in mine. How I feel about him, I fear he might feel about himself in, cl- in crunch time. We all have those moments where it's just like, how confident really are we? We're all confident when things are going well and things are starting to be shaky. You start to really question yourself. That's when you have to figure out where your foundations lie. Where your happy place is, so to speak. James Harden's definitely had some ups and he's definitely had some downs. But his downs have come, for the most part, in the most critical of situations for his basketball team. 1-0, I'm not concerned. 2-0, when I am hosting Outkick the Coverage on Monday morning with Jeff Schwartz. If it's 2-0, we might be having a different conversation on that radio program tomorrow morning on many of these same Fox Sports radio stations on Labor Day. But we're not there yet. The more fascinating thing is whether or not the top seed in the East is even going to be playing as of late afternoon on Sunday. Giannis is apparently questionable and his team is very questionable because they're down 3-0 to the Miami Heat. So what is wrong in Milwaukee? Milwaukee? I know that state has gone through some stuff. But I think this is more of a basketball issue, and this is why I said I don't think I, I picked Toronto to come out of the East because I saw this last year, and even without Kawhi there, I was trying to figure out what changed. Giannis went home and tried to get better on things. His free throw shooting still abysmal. He has not been as aggressive as I thought he would be during this series. But the bigger question is, what else does he have? I think Chris Middleton is a great basketball player, but I don't think he's Robin. If you want to go the Batman and Robin analogy, Giannis can be the best player on a championship team, no question, but Robin's got to be better than Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton is Chris Bosh. Chris Middleton is Kevin Love. Chris Middleton is your third best player on a championship team. He may be on the right days, and certainly in the regular season, maybe he can be your second best player, but when it gets down to crunch time, is he going to be enough? I don't think so. I don't think they've got enough right now. And that's crazy considering their record in the regular season. But that record, as impressive as it is, is 48 minutes of being outplayed once in the next four games away from being completely meaningless. Giannis could be a two-time NBA MVP that doesn't even sniff the NBA Finals. The Raptors were flat better than them last year. This Miami run is unreal. What they did to, Indi- I mean, they embarrassed Indiana. And they're just taking it to the Bucks. Giannis seems to be fading. He's not looking for his shot. He's questionable for game four with an ankle sprain. I imagine he'll go. He says, we can overcome this. And I guess they can. We saw the Nuggets come back from three one down against the Jazz, but man, alive. This team in a regular season is just like, well, the Bucks clearly can go win the championship. And I, I just didn't buy it. When you look at this roster. George Hill's a nice player. Kyle Corver's a nice piece. Brook Lopez had a great regular season. At times he looks really good. His brother can play. And then there's Middleton. Middleton, the 29-year-old that is making 30 mil this season. That's an all-star. But when you've needed him most, he's just kind of barely been there. I should mention Bledsoe also. Bledsoe's a nice player. I mean, they got some pieces. So what's wrong here? Antetokounmpo is going to start taking more and more flack. When they lost last year, he was angry. He said, I'm going to go home. We're going to get better. We're going to come back. And that's what they did. Their regular season was unbelievable. But right now, it's fair to start start asking the question, what's wrong here? What's missing here? Is Giannis the killer he needs to be as your alpha dog? Or does he need somebody that's closer to him where you have a 1A, 1B situation? I think if Middleton's your third best player and you could find somebody between him and Giannis, okay, now you might have a championship team. But I don't think Giannis and Middleton as your one-two punch is enough because I think you got one and half. At times, you have a one-two punch. But right now, the team that's punching you in the mouth is Miami. They're more physical. They're more dangerous. They're playing with a hell of a lot more swag. And Jimmy Butler's mindset, his mentality. Remember I told you this about Toronto last year? I said that Kawhi's mindset was the difference. He's the guy that woke up a Kyle Lowry. In a way that DeMar DeRozan couldn't. Jimmy Butler is the kind of guy who is so competitive, if you're playing with him and you can deal with it, you know, like not Carl Anthony Towns, it can become a real infectious thing that's positive in terms of your win-loss record. And Miami is playing with that kind of a viciousness. And Milwaukee just wasn't ready for this. So are they going to get swept today? I find it hard to believe they're going to get swept. But now you're starting to see articles written, can Miami win the championship? The Bucks have to feel like, what do we have to do? I mean, okay, we lost to Kawhi last year. That's losing to Kawhi. You're telling me we can't get past the Miami Heat when we had that record in a regular season? If I'm somebody that Bucks front office, I'm trying to figure out, all right, what what puzzle do we need to put together in this offseason once we get eliminated within the next three days because Antetokounmpo is going to want to go somewhere else if we can't find the missing piece here you dropped all the pieces on the floor you know this you had a puzzle or something you were a kid dropped all the pieces on the floor one of them disappeared you never found it again the puzzle was complete and you had an empty piece That's the Milwaukee Bucks right now. It feels like it should be complete. Then you watch it and it's not. We'll be right back. This is Fox Sports Radio.
0: Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count.
4: Or, shoot that, shoot that!
7: welcome back fox sports radio studios jason martin showed a little fastball for you i'm on twitter at jmart radio we're having a blast here in september the weather is nice here not as nice in california i will admit i'm in nashville tennessee i know we're going to get our humidity back but then it's going to drop finally hopefully NFL football is with us on Thursday. Chiefs, Texans. Mahomes already got paid. Watson got paid yesterday. Announced his extension. We talked about that in the last hour. Well deserved. Love that guy to death. Wonder if he will ever win a championship. Maybe determined largely as to how long Bill O'Brien's employed there. That's a team that I've just thought has been pretty badly run, although they certainly got this right. But I want to talk about another team that's been badly run. I mean, I want to talk about Tampa and that offense and what it might be able to do. They get Leonard Fournette. That's how the week starts on Monday. Well, Yannick is how it started for the Jaguars. He goes to the Vikings for $12 million. Takes a pay cut, takes a haircut in order to get out of Jacksonville. And then Leonard Fournette gets waived on Monday. What a dumpster fire this franchise is. We were discussing last hour who the third best team in the AFC is. I can tell you who it's not. The Jags might be the worst team in the league. I'm not sure they've got a quarterback. Seems like a fun guy. Seems like a good guy. But Minshew to me is, that's a transition at best. A mild step up, but he was starting to crack towards the end too. Mild step up over Foles. And good luck with the Bears. Mike Tanier of Pro Football Network said it best. The problem with announcing that you have a quarterback competition between Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles is that either Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles is going to end up your starting quarterback. When Jacksonville was a mess. So they let Fournette go. I think we've got this audio. The head coach of the Jags, Doug Marone. You're trying to figure out why exactly they let Fournette go. What are they doing? Are they just tanking for Trevor? What's the idea here? Is this guy that bad? A teammate bad in the locker room? Is he toxic? What's the problem with Leonard Fournette? Well, listen to what Doug Marone said after. Fournette was gone because this is unlike coaches to say something. I think this matter of fact and revealing. Listen to this:
8: We exhausted, you know, all
7: trade opportunities. We weren't able to get anything there, uh, so I just felt that, you know, now we can, you know, work on the team and the plan and get ourselves ready for the season. They tried to trade him. He goes further and says, "We couldn't get a fifth. We couldn't get a sixth. We couldn't get anything for him, so we let him go." And this was sort of the... They knew, or I think a lot of people assumed maybe they were going to let him go because they were trying to shop him and there were problems there. But how bad has it gone for Jacksonville? In 2017, that team had seven Pro Bowlers on defense that have now left the team. Now Fournette is gone. The guy that you took in the top five and the reason you took him and not either Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes was because, as Warren Sharp put it on Twitter, you wanted to see what you had in Blake Bortles who you had taken at number three. So you pass over Watson, you pass over Mahomes, which nobody knew what Patrick Mahomes would be, but you knew what he was capable of you pass over those guys you draft Leonard Fournette he's gone three years after you get him I think it's the number three pick it was either three or four Yannick Ngakwe takes less money to get away from you and you got seven pro bowlers from that 2017 defense that almost beat the Patriots and made it to a Super Bowl that all are elsewhere From Jalen Ramsey on down. It takes real skill. It takes intangible just malfeasance of the highest order. Imbecility, if that's a word. It takes like unbelievable talent to fall apart so spectacularly so fast from where it looked like you were going this was a team oh well Jacksonville's the new Seattle Seahawks this is the new Legion of Boom down there this defense is unreal and I think it goes to show one thing above all else which goes right back to Trubisky and Foles and Minshew and Bortles and all of this. You can have an all-world defense, but you still got to have a quarterback in the NFL. Bortles wasn't going to be that guy. You got caught, I think you put yourself somehow between a rock and a hard place. And you paid him when you didn't need to pay him because he looked pretty good on a team that was riding high and then it all came crashing down and this is why I've looked at the Bears and said they may be the new Jaguars not the new Seahawks because what did the Seahawks have to go along with that very brash outspoken but incredibly talented defense they had Russell Wilson that's the difference they had a quarterback to go along with that terror defense which makes you think okay maybe Pittsburgh is going to be good because their defense was great last year and they had no quarterback if Roethlisberger comes back and he can be healthy this year then you've got a situation where you do have a pretty dominant defense and you have a guy that knows how to win a Super Bowl who wants to prove something in this last couple of years before he retires. But think about Jacksonville and then just remember just because you made it once doesn't mean you're going to make it back. Sometimes the window feels like it's a lot more open than it turns out to be. Look at the Rams. The Saints know their windows probably closing at the end of this season. All due respect to Taysom Hill. He's not a starting quarterback in this league. Drew Brees, this is going to be it for him. That's why they went all in publicly for Clowney. They're going for everybody. There were rumors they were going to be seventy to seventy to hundred million dollars in cap jail next season. And then they could do whatever it is that they had to do there, but they they were going to lose a lot. But if they were going to lose Breeze, then this was their last chance because you don't just replace a Drew Breeze. They've never in the history of that franchise had a Drew Breeze. Brilliance of Sean Payton's offense aside, I don't think Jameis Winston was going to be the dude. Their window is closing. The Rams window may be barely open and it needs to be closed based on the heat out there. Jacksonville is the prime example though of how when you look at a bunch of pieces on a football team and you still don't feel particularly good about your quarterback, it doesn't even matter. And that's why I've cautioned people here in Nashville. Yeah, what you just saw the Titans do, don't assume they're going to do that again. And don't measure success based on whether they do it or do it again. See what else they do. See whether or not they rest on their laurels. See whether or not they look like or come across like a team that appears entitled. Or whether or not they're driven and saying the right things and working even harder. That becomes more the measure of success, I would say. And for Jacksonville, if they're tanking here and they let another person go a couple of days ago, whose name escapes me right now, if that's all they're doing, and there was that crazy tweet and report that Jacksonville was also monitoring the Jadevian Clowney situation, can you imagine paying Jadevian Clowney to come in when, you've, when everybody else has departed and you're probably going to be the worst team in the league? Like that, that would have been the most Jacksonville move of all. But you saw at least some random rumors, not just about Trevor Lawrence, but also about how the Jaguars would like to lure Dabo Swinney away from Clemson to coach them and go draft Trevor Lawrence, number one. I would be fascinated to see that happen, but many times I've told you if I'm Dabo Swinney, they would have to carry me out of Clemson because he has created their his own legacy where he's not following anybody yes I know they've had some talented coaches there Danny Ford and whatever but Dabo's on a completely different level what Mike Krzyzewski did at Duke what Mark Few did at Gonzaga what those kinds of coaches that just established something out of nowhere that's who you want to be like yeah he can go to Alabama but why He's winning titles and out-recruiting everybody at Clemson. Why would he leave? And why on earth would he leave college to go to the NFL even if he loves Trevor Lawrence, which I'm sure he does? What? Why? Jacksonville? But I do feel for Doug Marone because if this is a tank situation, I can't imagine Marone's going to be the guy that's going to be there for the rebuild. Can you? any reason at all to think that's the case. But it's just unbelievable to me when you think about how they have fallen. And it should just be a reminder. I don't care how much you like the personnel on that team. The reason the Seahawks worked is because even though they didn't have a bunch of studs at wide receiver, yeah, they have Marshawn Lynch. But it's because they had Russell Wilson. And the reason it didn't work for the Jaguars And the reason it hasn't been working for the Bears is because Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, and oh yeah, Nick Foles is in both places, and Gardner Minshew, and Blake Bortles. And I hate saying that about those guys because I like all those guys. I like what they've said, and I like how they've conducted themselves and how they've fought through adversity. I especially love Foles. But I'm paid to tell you what's actually happening. I can't make it up. But the reason Jacksonville's window closed is because they never had a quarterback to throw the football through it. All right, one more time. Let's bring in Brian Finley. Catch up uh, on the latest and find out what's happening, B. B.
4: Yeah, Jason, the Nuggets hog the lead, never letting it go and butchering the Clippers' 110-101 in their second round series, making it one game apiece. Denver containing Kawhi Leonard to 13 points and without a field goal in the second half. Jamal Murray led all scores with 27 points. His sidekick Nikola Jokic put up 26 points. Here's Murray after the game, talking about how he appreciates his team's looseness and pizzazz out on the court.
0: We just had good energy. We we're talking more. We we're helping out more. Our one-on-one defense was
7: better, and uh, you know we made shots. It you know, wasn't a big difference from game one to game two. You know, we just made shots, and we came out with the right energy and got up and down the up and down the court, pushed the pace, and uh,
0: put them on their heels a little bit. So have the same for game three.
4: One thing the bubble doesn't do is protect you from crickets. The Raptors crunch the Celtics 193 to make it a two games to two series matchup in that second round series as I said. Boston 7 of 35 from three point range and Yikes. Celtics Jalen Brown. How about this? Minus 14, Jason, in the plus-minus category. That's not good.
7: Yeah, he was 0 for 8 from 3 before (laughs) he hit his first one. And like I said in the first hour of the show, the reason he hit it is because the defender slipped on a wet spot that hadn't been cleaned up on the previous trip, and he had a wide-open look. And he had just bricked two... right before that this was not a good showing at all for Jalen Brown and when you have more field goal
4: attempts than points that's also not a good sign he had yeah. 18 points or excuse me 14 points 18 shots
7: he took twice as many shots as Kimball
4: Walker that's probably not a thing that should be happening either no that is something that they're gonna to have to change as they look at the film the Islanders into the Eastern Conference Finals after Blanking the Flyers for nothing in Game Seven. NFL Insider Josina Anderson reporting. Jadavian Clowney will sign with the Titans. Clowney has informed the Saints of this decision as they were pushing for him late. Some college football on Saturday. Memphis takes down Arkansas State, thirty-seven to twenty-four. Tigers quarterback Brady White, four touchdowns. SMU broadsiding Texas State 34-27. to Army wolfing down Middle Tennessee State 42-0. Marshall wiping out Eastern Kentucky 59-0. So, Jason, I don't know who you have in your top 25 AP poll for college football. Let's go Marshall number one. How about yeah, that with the yeah. showing that they put against Eastern Kentucky?
7: Yeah, and uh, luckily, they're actually being allowed to play football. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, Marshall can do it, and Central Arkansas can do it twice on TV, and Army, who cares more about their athletes than anybody in the country can do it, but there's some other schools for some reason that can't, and maybe that'll change. We'll see. Think about, Jason, know.
4: the thrill of some of these kids that would not have get gotten this opportunity to play in front of a national television audience. How neat this must be for them, these schools like Eastern Kentucky and Middle Tennessee State. A lot of these players are not used to this, so it's kind of an added thrill, I would think.
7: Yeah, that's true. And that, that's a benefit, to be sure, except when you're MTSU and you get blanked by Army. <laughs> yes. And your one one opportunity on TV is getting blown out 42 to nothing by a service academy. <laughs> Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I'm going to go ahead and go to break now because that way it will give us time to do this Christopher Nolan ranking when we come back. We talked a little bit about Tenet there at the end of the second hour. Um, You're going to have to see it multiple times. I still believe that you're going to come out being a little disappointed in it if you have high standards for Nolan. Um there's just some, there are some things about it that are hard and almost impossible to wrap your brain around. And then you add to that, not being able to understand the dialogue. And I think that that becomes a bit frustrating for you, almost overwhelming, but definitely you still need to see it in the theater just because it reminds you of what movies are supposed to be, what that experience is supposed to be, because it's just incredible. And if you watch the making of, um, which I'm sure will be on the release of the film later on but was attached to that 10-year anniversary on IMAX that for Inception I saw a couple of weeks ago this stuff's not CGI that's not how Nolan rolls all this stuff is actually done even the stuff that was backwards and everything else Um, and that's one of the reasons Inception holds up so well and why Tenet's going to hold up so well because it's not a bunch of effects that are going to be outdated 8 years from now it's live action which costs a ton of money, this film costs about $300 million to make by far his most expensive film and you'll see why but it is impressive as you watch it just to know as you're watching it that John David Washington did all this stuff that these fight sequences and everything else were done in this way, pretty daggone incredible I'll tell you where Tenet ranks in the Nolan filmography when we come back here on Fox Sports Radio Final segment of the show, little screaming trees for you, Jason Martin Show. Thanks to Bo Benson, Chris Perfett, Brian Finley for joining me on the ride this morning. Fox Sports Sunday coming up next on most of these same Fox Sports radio stations tomorrow, Monday morning. I'll kick the coverage. Jeff Schwartz and I will be in for Clay Travis. Looking forward to joining you then across the country as well. Before we move on and I run through these quick Christopher Nolan rankings, let's do the Geico play of the day.
0: Deoke and it comes from. He gets double team throws out of it to Murray. Murray guarded by Kawhi Leonard, stutter step in a drive, stops on a dime, shoots a three. Yes! That's three a big points, basket right. there.
7: That was Jamal Murray over Kawhi. One of the crucial threes in the fourth quarter. Nuggets get the job done. 44 25 after one quarter. That's the reason. But the Clippers did cut it to five at one point in the fourth. Beverly got ejected, went full on Patrick Beverly and the nuggets even up that series 1-1 still don't think it's going to be a seven game series but that's one that the clippers will look back on and wonder where the heck they were for the first 12 minutes of it no question about it geico play of the day brought to you by geico didn't know if you know this but you should geico offering an extra 15 percent credit on car motorcycle and rv policies that's 15 percent on top of what geico's already saving you that's a lot of money what are you waiting for save that extra 15 percent when you switch by october 7th visit geico.com to learn more well i've talked about tenant a couple of times on the show again it's going to be hard to understand i'm just going to tell you that wherever you go it's going to be hard to understand the story because you're going to have a hard time understanding some of the accents in the dialogue Still a very, very fun movie. No one's my favorite director, so I have really high standards for him. So let me give you my top 10. Following was his first movie. It's not in this 10. It's a little bit different. Um, The 10 are the ones that you know of. Bottom of the list is Insomnia. Still a good film. Pretty good film, but not a great film. Um, More straightforward in its way, but had some star power in it with Pacino and others. Nine is Interstellar which is good but maybe a little long I liked it better than some McConaughey did a nice job in it I need to go back and watch it I've only seen it one time and I think that may be why I have it so low it's just because I haven't felt the need to go back even though I own it to go back and rewatch it 8 is Memento which is another trippy really Nolan's first real mind screw of a movie really good stuff from Guy Pearce and Carrie Ann Moss I had Tenet, and I put these rankings down, and they change a lot because, just depending on my mood, I might flip some things around. I had Tenet at seven before I saw it the second time. I'm trying to get it higher. I don't know that I can. So I'll put the newest effort at seven. I've got The Dark Knight Rises at six. I'm just such a Batman-biased individual since my childhood that even though some people would put this lower, I, I might even be able to put it higher on the right day because I still really loved it. Prestige is five. Watched it about a week ago. It didn't hold up maybe as much as it did the last time I'd seen it before Dunkirk came out, but I still think it's a great film. Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale and Scarlett Johansson and Michael Caine, just loaded. David Bowie, the late David Bowie. Number four is Batman Begins. This is where Nolan really hit his stride to me. Love it, the series. I'm I'm so beloved to me. I could get this higher on any given day as well. I could easily get this to number three. I've got Dunkirk at three, even though it's not anywhere near as rewatchable as the two that are above it, or I think Batman Begins or maybe even Dark Knight Rises. Tenet, Prestige. Dunkirk is a flawless movie, perfect. It's totally different than anything else he's ever done because it's just historical. So. Maybe it didn't have all of the things that you would expect a Nolan film to have, but it didn't need them. It's a perfect movie. The only reason I have it that low is just because, you know, I've only seen it the one time. I do want to see it again, but it's, it's not something I'm going to pull out every year. It's something I'm going to recommend everybody see, though. Number two, I've got Inception, which I saw again in IMAX a couple of weeks ago. I've seen that film probably five times in the theater. Just tremendous. Holds up way better than you would think. And that cast is insane. Especially if you look at it now and what a lot of them have gone on to do. And number one's The Dark Knight. And it's real simple. The Dark Knight's the best film I've ever seen. Best villain performance I've ever seen. Is Heath Ledger is the Joker with Hannibal Lecter from Anthony Hopkins being right there beneath. Just incredible movie. It's that and Back to the Future 1A and 1B for me, so there you go. Insomnia, Interstellar, Memento, Tenet, Dark Knight, Rises, Prestige, Batman Begins, Dunkirk, Inception, and The Dark Knight.